2: 6:30, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on 6:30, Chad. Nurse,
0: beautiful
3: move to the net. reach, shot, score, and Edmonton completes
0: a dramatic comeback. Cassie left it for David, drives the net. What a shot! Top right
3: corner, unbelievable.
2: Two flyers,
0: draped all over. Edmonton's home for breaking news on
2: your favorite teams.
0: This is
2: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
0: We have not delivered on the promise we made to our fans in recent years. You know it, and I know it, and we all know it. Starts and stops will be. And I want you to know we're listening to our fans. We get it. And we're doing everything we can
3: to get it right. That is the voice of Edmonton Oilers owner, Daryl Cates, today at the press conference which unveiled Ken Holland officially as the new general manager and president of hockey operations of the Edmonton Oilers. It is Brennan Escott alongside uh, with you here on Inside Sports. Who? Who are you listening to right now? Well, I produce Oilers now with Bob Stoffer from 12 to 2 on 630. Ched uh, spent this entire season very close with the Oilers hockey team at all the home games and down in the dressing rooms and and uh, getting that post-game audio for you on the Oilers radio network. And, hey, we got a couple people on the injured list tonight. So here I am spending the evening to with you, rather. And uh, we got a busy one, of course, as today was the day that many people had been uh, speculating about at least for the last couple of days. Ken Holland, who spent 36 seasons in Detroit officially at the helm of the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, he will do so with full autonomy, as was announced at the press conference today. Uh, Let's get the conversation going right off the top. Text in 630-630. Do you approve? What do you think about that? Ken Holland, is he the right guy to steer the ship in a different direction than it has gone in the last 13 seasons? I'd like to know what you think. We'll get more thoughts from the regular host of this show coming up at about six fifteen this evening. Reed Wilkins will join me from his vacation spot out in Ontario. Daniel Nugent Bowman from the Athletic will check in at six thirty-five. Seven o'clock. I really want to hear from you. We'll turn over the airwaves to you, the good Ched listener. We'll get your thoughts on uh, Oilers or really anything else going on, because in case you missed this and all the other uh, stuff going on today, the Eskimos had their annual general meeting, and uh, that one, to me, was more about what wasn't announced than what was. So we'll get that, uh, we'll fire that up. At 7.35, that's how we'll end the show. We'll hear actually from Dwayne Viano, who was with the marketing team of the Eskimos, and the Grey Cup was so good, it got him a promotion. But let's check back in with the Oilers, okay? So we're not going to go into too, too much detail in terms of the audio. uh, But I do have a couple of highlights that I want to get to. Obviously, with Holland sewn up, the general manager search is over. But they also announced that Ken Hitchcock will not be back behind the bench. It was a one-year, I don't know, they called it a a green clause or something along those lines. Essentially, it just meant when they brought Hitchcock on after the Todd McClellan dismissal uh, earlier in the fall, Hitchcock was expected to be with the team through the end of this season and then things would be reevaluated. They decided against bringing Hitch back on. So that leaves them with a coaching search. Here's Ken Holland earlier this morning.
2: I talked to Ken Hitchcock last night. I told Ken that he would not be the coach of the, of the Edmonton Oilers in, in 1920. I did talk to his, uh, his assistants today to inform them that I had told Ken I'm going to start a process here immediately. That would be my number one priority. Obviously, in the next uh, few weeks, to find the next head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Um, at the same time, what I want to do is talk to as many people as I can. Talk to Bob. I talked to Ken Hitchcock last night. I've talked to the coaches. I'm trying to gather information as I go about the process of making decisions, um, what to do with staff. And also, uh, as, as we lead, you know, this is the time of the of the year in the National Hockey League. You, you know, you make your your moves from probably the 20th of June to uh, early July through. Uh, Whatever trades you can make at the draft, obviously the draft, and July 1st, free agency. So this is the period of time when, you, when you're when you doing your planning. Next week uh, we're going to have uh, amateur meetings, pro meetings. I look forward to meeting all those people, and I will make some decisions. Uh, I do expect to have some change. Uh, I'm not going to give you a time frame on change, but I do expect to have some change. And um, I look forward to uh, working with all you uh, going forward.
3: Again, Ken Holland uh, at the press conference earlier today announcing him as the general manager and president of hockey operations. Now, where does that leave the interim? general manager uh, prior to today and that is Keith Gretzky who was very much a part of the application process he wanted to get the reins of this Oilers hockey club he had been functioning as an assistant general manager with the team Well Bob Nicholson who's the vice chair of Oilers Entertainment he addressed that one today as well. Keith Gretzky did a great job as the intern general manager uh, Keith Gretzky was, was through
0: the whole process but I had to make a recommendation to Darryl Case who was going to be the president and general manager. And there is only one person that I recommended
3: to Darrell,
0: and that was Ken
3: Holland. In my opinion, the reason that Ken Holland stood out, uh, not only with his resume, which we can get into a little bit later in the show, uh, multiple Stanley Cups, multiple conference titles, presidents, trophies, etc., but it's his credibility. And credibility around the league is a big deal. And I think that this Oilers organization, and if you listen to the press conference, you know what I'm talking about. They need stability from the top down. They need a guy who's going to be able to, well, provide provide a situation where they aren't constantly replacing the general manager or the head coach, et cetera, et cetera, which has been the case. All right, so there's your audio recap of earlier, uh, the press conference earlier today. It is 6 12 here in Edmonton. We are going to step out a little bit early because I do want to bring Reed Wilkins in, which we will do after the break. It is Brendan Escott in hosting today on Inside Sports. <laughs>
2: Is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 6:30? Chad. It is Brendan
3: Escott sitting in for Reed Wilkins tonight on Inside Sports. Appreciate you hanging out. And without further ado, I do want to bring in Reed. And the first thing I'm going to ask you, Reed, uh, Daryl Cates was at the presser, which doesn't typically happen, and now we have more of an understanding why. Uh, it sounds like he's dealing with a, uh, what can be considered a life-threatening illness. It's, a, it's some sort of nasal condition. Uh, um, just give me give me your overall thoughts, and maybe does that come as a surprise to you? Well, it does, and I mean that's that's tough to hear. I mean, you all, you always
0: wish somebody good health and, and long life and all that kind of stuff. So to to hear that he's you know been battling uh, this this infection and that uh, you know I, I know Shannon put out in one tweet that it's you know maybe fifty fifty for survival at this point. I mean that's tough to hear. That's tough for anybody to go through. Uh, regardless of who you are, how much money you have or or what your background is. So I think that's a a story and a development that that needs to be uh, acknowledged today. I I mean, I hope there's... uh, I'm going to be a little bit preachy here, Brendan, but I hope there's a bit of a lesson in here to uh, not judge somebody or or make fun of their appearance because obviously I saw a lot of that on social media today and a lot of people now regretting those comments uh, given what what has come out. So maybe that uh, is a bit of a lesson for people in the future too. But... I also thought, Brandon, even before we started hearing about Cates' health, it was a story to me just that, that he was there. Uh, I mean, like anybody who's who's followed the Oilers for any length of time or since he's owned the team, know that he doesn't speak publicly a lot. I, I mean, he's very uh, selective about when he appears, when he communicates, and very careful about what he says. He was on the face-off show with Bob and I before the home opener, and uh, you know I, know, I know you heard that interview. He didn't he didn't have much to say. I mean, he was just trying to be optimistic, and we, we talked for him for three or four minutes, and he was he was pretty quiet during that. And he's generally been, um, you know, careful with his words, and 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 uh, that doesn't speak publicly a lot. So just the fact that he was there today. And, uh, you know, took responsibility and and acknowledged what has happened with the team, I think was important and and is significant. And and I mean, to transfer this to to just a purely hockey discussion, I I think he should have been there. And I don't think there's anything he can say at this point that is going to appease the fans. He can't say anything that's going to uh, excuse what's happened during his ownership and, and even dating back, you know, the... Before he owned the team, I guess is when the dec- decade of darkness started. But I think it was important for him to be out there. And I, I think, I mean, we got to be pretty blunt here, Brendan. The over the, uh, I mean, since they made it to the Stanley Cup final in 2006, the Edmonton Oilers are the worst franchise in the NHL, and it's not close. I mean, there's some others who have had a lot of struggles, and I'm talking strictly about on ice performance because when it comes to um, fan support and, and profitability. I suppose. I mean, the Oilers are doing fine. They they got incredibly passionate fans, who are are hurt and and beat down and angry. And I don't blame them for that. But they haven't gone away for for the most part. I mean, sure, apathy I think has crept in to some extent. For the but for the most part, the fan base hasn't gone away. So I, I think it was important for Cates to be there. And I mean, he's not going to maybe use the as blunt a language that I'm using. But there there has to be a recognition that. It's been failure after failure after failure for this franchise. Undeliverable. In the NHL, in the NHL, one of the you know the, the worst team in the league last decade plus, and in North American pro sports, probably one of the three or four least successful franchises. So for him to come out there and, and be there publicly and, and give you know as much as uh, an acknowledgement to that as he could, I, I think that was important.
3: Do you think that people will be more understanding, not necessarily just because of the illness, but why he's not as prominent in the public eye as, as fans may like him to be? Now you can see that it's not him not taking accountability so much as it is just him trying to keep this battle private. That's the way that I look at it. What do you think?
0: I think that's yeah over the last couple of years and and Shannon even mentioned uh, I mean two years ago the Oilers are you know well two years ago this week they're they're in the tail end of that playoff series against Anaheim and uh you know he was already going through this at at the time, so yeah, i mean good good for him for for appearing publicly i mean clearly his his appearance has changed there's mm-hmm. there's no denying that, and that can't be easy for somebody to to go through but so I mean that that's one story but just the other story is that he was there that he actually came out sat with Hall and sat with Nicholson and participated in this news conference so I, I think that's important again it doesn't change anything now it's time once again as we've been saying for years it's time to get out there and and perform and put the right people in place
3: so nicholson goes through this search with uh with you know everyone likes to talk about autonomy it sounds like kate's put full trust into nicholson nicholson decides on ken holland whose resume rivaled by very few across professional sports but the brunt of that taking place more than a decade ago so what are your thoughts on him being a fit here in edmonton
0: well, this is going to be really interesting. I, I, first of all, if it just comes down to experience and, and NHL knowledge and connections in, in the world of pro hockey, Ken Holland would be right up there with anybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to look at the, the Lamarillos and Rutherfords of the world, the guys who have been in the league a long time, have had success at, at stages in their career, are, are known as good leaders, are known as, as patient people who are able to put their plan in place Uh, I mean, what Holland has done, I think, rivals anybody. So it's interesting to me, Brendan, obviously we say in sports, the best indicator of future performance is past performance. Well, in Ken Holland, you have multiple Stanley Cups, you have multiple playoff teams, you have multiple contending teams, and you think, oh, that's, that's great. And then you look at the last four or five years and you say, well, okay, some contracts, where players were probably overpaid, some contracts where players got no move clauses, where maybe you wish you had the flexibility to look at moving them, and you can certainly say okay well that that doesn't doesn't reflect as well on him. I think here's the thing with with holland and and Brandon, look, we can talk about Ken Holland all we want, and obviously we're going to, but the problems facing the Oilers don't change with with the gm what do you do with milan lucci well you can't really do anything you know do you want to maybe try to move on from russell or secker or one of them that's hard to do because of no moves um you're locked into a goaltender for three years that quite frankly we're not sure if 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 he's a capable starter for the most part he didn't look like he was so you have all these issues that ken holland didn't cause but it's on him to fix them. So, you know, I know this, I've seen a lot of the debate on on social media and with writers and bloggers over the last few days, what part of Holland's resume do you look at? Look, he's a smart guy. I I think he's one of those guys that have never stopped learning, never stopped uh, having people around him that he can trust, which is going to be important in this situation as well. So how do you deal with these situations that appear to be very, very difficult to deal with? And so I guess if you're an Oilers fan, I ask you this. Would you sooner have Ken Holland trying to figure this out? Or would you sooner have some of the assistant GMs whose names were thrown about uh, as as people trying to figure it out? Look, I've been saying this a lot for the last two weeks. We're not going to know the answer for probably two years. Uh, I think there are, you know, I, I, I'm hopeful Holland can do it. I'm hopeful he has the experience and the connections and the know-how and the trust in his right-hand man that he's going to bring in to get it done. But, um, you know, it's it's a tough task. It's a tough task to turn the Oilers into a Stanley Cup contender from where they are right now and to do it quickly. Hey, could they be a wild-card team next year? Sure, they could have been one this year, you know, if they would have avoided maybe one tough stretch of the season instead of having three or four like they did but that's that's really what what we're looking at is what can he do over the next couple of years how can he bring along some of the prospects can he adeptly make a trade or maybe you might have to sacrifice something but you change the dimension a little bit more that's really how he's going to be judged moving forward
3: my thing is would you rather him make those mistakes and learn from them in Edmonton or have those mistakes made and maybe, you know, compromise somewhat of his reputation, but in Detroit. And now he has seen what happens when you sign those no-movement clauses and he's seen what happens when you take the gamble on the guy who doesn't pan out, like a Stephen Weiss, for example. So I look at this read and think if he's as intelligent as he came across today and as in tune and already in tune with this franchise and fan base it seems i think we've got a guy who's already learning from what happened in the last 5 years in detroit is that fair to say well i
0: hope so and every manager is going to have mistakes on his record so to suggest that his next 5 years or however long it turns out to be in edmonton are going to be perfect or glowing i i think would be obviously you know as as off base are the people as the people who are treating him like he's the, the senile washed up old man i mean neither neither extreme is true but yeah i mean here's the difference from detroit while he was in detroit all the great players aged and retired right and instead of trading them late in their careers or or you know encouraging them to move on he stuck with them right because he was loyal So then they retire or their skills fade as they're retiring. And then you're replacing them with players who aren't as good. And then you're looking around and saying, well, I I realize my team is getting worse. But, you know, you can't just jettison everybody and reshape the roster every year. So, yeah, he committed to some players, probably knowingly that that they weren't going to be well. Obviously, you you knew they weren't going to be as good as some of the legends they had on that team and probably overcommitted to them. The situation he's coming into in Edmonton is he has two of the best players in the league, two of the highest scoring players in the league from this past season. So it's obvious who you're building around. But again, his challenge is finding slots for for cheaper players, for skilled players, for fast players, because so many roster spots right now are, are eaten up by players who are overpaid and and underperforming. So, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think it's the Detroit and Edmonton situations aren't in entirely comparable because he was there so long and he went, I mean, he went through four or five generations of players in Detroit. Let's face it over mm-hmm. 21 years as, as a general manager. And for the most part of that, they were competitive, but, but I totally get the questions about some of the contracts he gave, he gave, he gave out, but the two guys here who deserve the biggest and longest contracts already have those. So now again, it's, it's finding the, the, the pieces to dry, settle and McDavid.
3: When it comes to the coaching search now, Reid, um, Bob's predicting by June 1st we will have a new coach. We've heard Dave Tippett's name thrown around. Obviously, Chris Knobloch yesterday getting relieved of his duties in Philadelphia. He coached Connor McDavid and junior, uh, possibly a fit there. Which direction do you think that, uh, that Ken Holland might take in that? Uh, we've seen him hire a first-year coach in Jeff Blaschel, but it could really go anywhere at this point. So what do you think about the coaching search?
0: Well, I talked about this gentleman uh, either last week or the week before on Inside Sports, and that's Todd Nelson. And I guess we'll see what the future of his team is tonight. But, and don't forget, Todd Nelson coached Grand Rapids, Brendan, the farm team of none other than the Detroit Red Wings, right? So there there could be, well, there is another connection there. Um, I think that Nelson... Would be very well received by the fan base. And I'm not saying you have to make decisions on based on on, on what the fans want necessarily, but it wouldn't be a bad thing. He
3: has been here. Oh, uh, Did we lose him? I think we might have lost him. But you know what? We're getting close to a global news weather traffic update anyway, so we're going to throw it right now to Cassandra Jodouin. We'll come-
2: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
3: back with The Athletic's Daniel Nugent Bowman. It's Brendan Escott in for Reed Wilkins on Inside Sports.
2: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion inside sports with reed wilkins on 630 chad
3: might not be an expert opinion tonight it's brendan escott sitting in the big chair reed wilkins off dave campbell off So the rookie gets the call up to Inside Sports. Appreciate you hanging around. We just heard from the man himself, a little phone trouble at the end of that, but it's all good. Uh, Keep the text flowing in at 6.30, 6.30. Would love to get your thoughts on Ken Holland. It was kind of polarizing when those rumors started leaking out that he was the one that Bob Nicholson was targeting in this GM search. We know we can can talk the talk based on today. We know we can walk the walk based on the last uh, 22 years, 21 years worth of general manager, Service in Detroit. Are you of the opinion that he benefited from excellent scouting in Detroit? Zetterberg's a seventh round pick. I believe Datsuk's a six rounder. Or do you think that he can actually get it done himself? Let me know what you think. 6.30, 630. One person we always appreciate the opinion of here on 6.30, Ched, in our various capacities is Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. That's who I'm joined by right now. It's his first foray uh, in the Oilers media scene. This was his first year. uh, Dan, obviously you were down there this morning. Um, Just curious, right off the bat here, do you like the fit of Holland as GM and president of hockey operations? Yeah, it's, I think it's a good fit. It's a safe fit to me. Uh, obviously,
1: um, Bob Nicholson and Ken Hitchcock have a, a pretty extensive history. Uh, obviously, uh, most recently, you know, the talkie Canada and the uh, the last two uh, uh, Olympic teams that involved NHL players. Um, so, yeah, in that in that sense, it's a safe fit. Um, you know, he Ken uh, Ken Holland that is uh, obviously has uh, quite the track record as a general manager. Uh, the the um, criticism obviously against him in in recent times is uh the the kind of mess in detroit obviously missing the playoffs the last couple of years and uh, the cap situation where longer-term contracts have been given to uh veteran players that were either on the back end of their career or had uh, had injury issues that uh, kept these players out so um i think the you know there was a lot of expectation to keep that playoff streak alive in Detroit. And I don't think some of those moves were, were tremendous by any means, but I think when you're looking at somebody who has a successful track record and, and is uh, a lot more, uh, you know, open to, to, uh, kind of making, uh, necessary changes and, and, um, and kind of getting the team on track, I think you're looking at a a pretty uh, capable and competent uh, new manager here in Edmonton.
3: I was quite surprised to see the amount of criticism he was taking given his his track record, and you can't look at that and think that it's anything... What a recency bias based on, you know, what these fans have seen in Detroit in the past couple of years. But all good things must come to an end the way I look at it. And do you think that those moves that he made in retrospect, and I think he acknowledged this today as well, do you think that that's stuff that he's learned from already?
1: I, I, I mean, I think so in some respects. So now I did ask him about the, the cap, and he was, uh, I don't want to say defensive, but he did try to justify it in the sense that, uh, you know, players like Zetterberg and, and Johan um had been had been injured, and um, uh, that kind of t- took up roughly $10 million worth of, of cap space that went on a LTIR. And it's, it's tough to find, uh, even if you get that money, it's tough to uh, find, you know, uh, players that are of that type of replacement caliber to offset those losses, but you know, when you look, you look at their their cap charts right now, and you look at. Uh, players like Justin Ablicator and, and Darren Helm, uh, and even a couple of, def- uh, defensemen, obviously Cromwell coming off the books this year, but, you know, Jonathan Erickson and Trevor Daly, uh, on longer term deals or multi-year deals, uh, at, at fairly high numbers compared, uh, compared to what they're bringing on the ice. Uh, that's a little problematic, but, you know, I, I think some of that was, again, trying to get that team, uh, keep that long playoffs streak alive and, um, uh, obviously, they're a team that's had so much success uh, previously uh, that they didn't have, uh, you know, those top players on entry-level uh, deals uh, uh, that they were able to parachute into the lineup. Uh, to give them kind of that bang for their buck, they had to either overpay uh, veterans or or find players in other other respects, other manners, so um, that kind of hurt them um, uh, in, in having to kind of retool that team so uh, i I think there are some lessons learned to be sure in Detroit, but when you look at the criticism, I think uh, sports in general is such a you know what have you done for me lately uh, industry and Uh, The last uh, few years in Detroit haven't been great, especially when you look back to the the Cups won in the late 90s and early 2000s. So he's going to face criticism for that for sure.
3: Joined right now by Daniel Nugent-Bowman from The Athletic. What do you say, Daniel, to fans who have this theory that Ken Holland is a product of a great scouting team when you look at Zetterberg being a seventh-round pick and Datsuk right around that same area as well?
1: I'd say some of that is true, but you have to also remember that uh, that's where he cut his teeth and that he, you know, I, I look at managers as, as uh, you know, being um, kind of adept or, or coming from. Uh, specific background you know scouting or or trading or, or or whatnot and and his background is is scouting like he he was a western scout became the team's amateur scout and uh as he rose up to uh you know assistant general manager and then ultimately the general manager there it, it's clear that he came from a scouting background um you now obviously some of those picks uh when you're looking at you know late round round picks uh you know uh you know uh Lidstrom and, and, and Zetterberg and Datsuk and those those types of guys, um, those you know came from overseas where he would have had, I would assume, at least uh, less uh, input as in ter- uh, opposed to North America. But just look at the most recent draft that the Red Wings had uh, where they actually did get to pick pretty high for the first time in a long time. Uh, I thought he did, he did tremendously well in getting uh, Philip Zadina and then uh, late in the first round, uh, Joe Valeno, a former uh, exceptional status player. So, um, I think, you know, the last couple of years have been much better for the Red Wings in that regard, and and that kind of comes down to uh, him being able to pick higher in the draft.
3: So we look at the the structure of the order of command, if you will, um, both with Holland as the the general manager and the president of hockey operations. He is still reporting to Nicholson as the vice chair of OEG. Um, Do you think that it's a... A uh, Good restructure in that regard. I mean, how, how do you feel about the, the order of, of command, if you will, uh, within the organization now? Because that's been the subject of scrutiny for France for quite some time. Oh,
1: I'm fine with it. I mean, if you're going to bring in somebody uh, of, of Ken Holmes' uh, stature, of his uh, experience, and uh, with his track record, um, you're going to need to give him full autonomy. He said today that he wouldn't have taken the job uh, otherwise, and uh, you're going to need to give him some term and some some uh, dollars on that deal. So uh, I think you know he's he, he, from what I've heard, and he reiterated this today that he's a he's. An information gatherer, where he he likes to consult people. I don't think it's a situation where he's uh, going to, uh, uh, although he has uh, complete autonomy, that he's going to to kind of run it to uh, dictator style. He, he, I think he's going to bring in uh, as many competent uh, people as he can uh, surrounding him, uh, to surround him rather, and, and to uh, to bounce ideas off of. Uh, he said that. You know, when a decision is being made, he's the guy who steps up to the podium, but uh, that's after uh, seeking advice from from several people and getting their opinions on it. So um, I'm completely fine with him, uh, or anyone for that matter, that they deem or that, uh, you know, is an appropriate general manager to have that full autonomy.
3: Daniel Nugent-Bowman on the line. Brendan Escott guest hosting Inside Sports tonight. Still avoid it coaching now that we know for sure they will not bring back Ken Hitchcock. Todd Nelson has been a name that many people seem to think is a great fit. Uh, we know that there's a couple others available. Dave Tippett has been circulated quite a bit. What, uh, where are you leaning right now in terms of who you think might be a, uh, a good man to lead the charge on the coaching front for the Oilers?
1: Well, there's some there's some interesting names. You mentioned those two, and I think those are the two that uh, people have have um, uh, talked about uh, probably the most uh, since it was apparent that uh, Ken uh, Ken. Uh, He's so many Ken's. Ken uh, <laughs> Holland was going to take this job. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's only had three head coaches uh, that he hired in Detroit in 22 years as general manager, of course, uh, Scotty Bowman, uh, was somebody that he inherited. Um, and so he made it clear today that he wants somebody that uh, can, he can develop a relationship with and, and can, can be here for several years alongside him. So uh, to me, that, that, that sounds like somebody... Um, kind of younger or somebody that, uh, that again, he can grow with. So uh, those those two uh, people that uh, have been mentioned, well, I mean, Dave Tibbet is a little bit older, but uh, certainly uh, Todd Nelson would be somebody who'd set that mold. Um, you could look, you know, even in-house where he's hired uh, Dave Lewis before to be, uh, you know, off uh, Scotty Bowman's staff, so I would think that would put somebody maybe uh, along the lines of Glenn Gullitson, uh in good stead. Uh, even Jay Woodcroft with the with the Condors, now, he obviously has a, a history with Jay uh, dating back to uh, their time in Detroit where, where Woodcroft was a uh, was a video coach. Um, the fact that he's only been a head coach uh, for one year is, is a strike against him, obviously, but it's been a tremendous year for the Condors. Uh, with the, obviously the long running streak and now into the second round of the playoffs. So uh, I would think he'd be up for at least a, a consideration in that regard as well.
3: Do you think that they would be uncomfortable in ruffling the feathers down there because of the success that they've had? And particularly because Holland spoke about wanting to develop players in the minor leagues. Um, somebody posed that exact same question to me on Twitter the other day, and I thought, well, obviously he's showing that he's got... Um, he's worth his salt in the coaching ranks but they've got a good thing going in Bakersfield do you think that they might just want to keep it that way
1: that's, that's that's a fair point um I would say though obviously the NHL team is 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 the most important uh aspect in in the organization in a franchise so if they were to determine that Jake Woodcroft was the best man for the job I don't think they would have any uh, reluctance to break up a good thing in, in Bakersfield uh, for the sake of uh, or to, to prevent him from being an NHL coach with the, with the Oilers. I'm not saying that uh, Woodcroft by any means is the top candidate, but if that's the way that they went, were, were going to go, I wouldn't think that um, doing uh, any harm to to Bakersfield would be of their, their utmost concern. So, uh, But again, I, I think you make a fair point in that um, you know if they're going to go with somebody else. Uh, certainly, Woodcroft, uh, at the very worst, I would think, uh, would be uh, primed to to, you know, retain his position with the Condors and continue what seems like a pretty good thing down there.
3: Chatting right now with Daniel Nugent-Bowman from the Athletic, beat reporter for the Edmonton Oilers, and you just wrapped up your first year. It's been a wild first year uh, in the sporting world here in YEG. I'm very curious where all of this leaves Keith Gretzky. It was briefly touched upon by Holland. He hasn't spoken with Keith yet. Um, is Do you see any situation where Keith, especially because he was hired by Shirelli, returns to the Oilers in some sort of, um, well, whatever role might be presented to him?
1: I think it's entirely up in the open right now. Uh, um, we did talk to... Uh, Ken Holland uh, off to the side, a bunch of us uh, off after the, the formal press conference, and um, he he really respects what um, Keith Gretzky has brought to the table, not only as the interim general manager uh, but uh, as his role before, and and thinks he has a good eye for talent, uh, which you really can't get enough of. He he felt uh, in today's uh, today's day and age, and, and really any day and age, but he did say uh, that he. You know, if he, you know, he has to, he does have to talk to Keith Gretzky, and if he, if they can't get on the same page or whatnot, he has no problem uh, making the tough decision. Which, reading uh, between the the tea leaves, would be for uh, Gretzky to uh, not be here anymore. But I think the expectation and the preference uh, for all parties, uh, at least, uh, you know, for, for Nicholson. Um, uh, and 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 everyone would be to have uh, Keith Gretzky come back. Now um, Nicholson went to great pains to say how great of a job that that Gretzky has done in the interim role in the short term, and that he was you know a strong candidate for the permanent position. Uh, so whether or not uh, Keith Gretzky would be you know cited by not getting the job that remains to be seen. Of course, uh, he, has, he has to have these conversations with with Holland, and they have to kind of determine where he will fit in in the long run. So. Uh with, uh with all that said it, it does remain a wide open question because uh the draft is coming you know very soon and uh keith gretzky and bob green were were kind of slated to run the draft table for the oilers but uh with scouting meetings coming uh next week uh, i think it's all kind of open to uh Uh, to see what
3: happens here in the next little while and certainly looking forward to seeing what kind of direction they want to take do they take the best player available at the draft um we'd have to go back or i would anyway and have to sort of further evaluate how they have drafted dan but as you mentioned uh it's going to be a bit of a different position just because he spent so many years holland did drafting in the late first round because of the success that they were having um with respect to the assistant general manager, Sean Burke is a name that had been floated around, of course, his son Brendan playing hockey uh, with the Golden Bears here in Edmonton and uh, somebody who they've dubbed as a goaltender whisperer around the league. Knowing that Holland said that they do need to add some goaltending help, do you think that Sean Burke might have a place here in Edmonton, supposing that Keith Gretzky decides he wants to move on?
1: Again, that that's a good question and one that... Uh uh, you know, I know Sean Burke uh, interviewed for this job, and I and I know um, he, he got you know pretty far in the process, and he's he's an up and coming uh, general manager um, uh, prospect uh, here, and so it would be up to Sean to kind of determine. Well, obviously, it might not be this year because these, these jobs are are taken up, um, but. Could he continue to uh, kind of do what he's doing with Montreal Canadiens as a Western scout? And uh, he's obviously in in a good spot with with Hockey Canada, running several of these tournament teams of late. Um, Can he continue to do that and put himself in a good position uh, to be a general manager going forward with another team? Um, Certainly, you know, if he was to be the assistant general manager here, um, that would be or could be a stepping stone to somewhere else. Um, because obviously uh, with Ken Hall signing a five-year contract, it doesn't seem like that path would be clear in Edmonton to be the general manager anytime soon. So that's something I think uh, Burke would would have to consider. Um, But I think he's more on the management track right now as opposed to um, the kind of the goaltending coach where he kind of cut his teeth once he uh, retired about ten years ago, so um, it's, you know there there could be a possibility for him to come here. Um, I know he's he's pretty well uh, regarded by uh, Bob Nicholson, but that'll ultimately be uh, Ken Holland's decision, uh, not Nicholson's.
3: All right, Daniel, and we'll leave you with this as we. Uh, Wrap things up with Daniel Nugent-Bowman from The Athletic. Obviously, Daryl Cates and the the health uh, stuff that came to light today. Uh, Maybe just a quick thought on that and and if that means anything for the franchise or uh, at least helps explain to the fans why he's been out of the spotlight for the last couple of years. Maybe just uh, give me your opinion on that situation.
1: Yeah, having been so new uh, here, uh, I've uh, you know only covered this team for for one year, and I guess the year's not technically over. Uh, today was the first time I have had the uh, experience of, of seeing uh, Dale Cates in person. Uh, didn't get a chance to um, to talk to him, you know, one on one or privately or anything like that. So I don't know him, you know, very well really mm-hmm. at all. Um, obviously, uh, with the news coming to light of uh some some health problems it's uh, certainly uh unfortunate and, and you can only wish uh, people the best uh if they're having you know some health some health uh, issues like that so certainly that's uh, first and foremost here uh with with him um in terms of the team i mean yeah I, I would i would imagine uh if you're going through something just to you know purely uh you know speculate per se that you're, you're probably only you know want to be a little bit more private so uh, you can certainly respect the fact that he came out today and and uh, kind of explained uh, you know from his perspective uh, how uh, underwhelming the team has been of late and how he hopes that uh, they'll turn that around so I give him credit for for coming out today and speaking but uh, all you can do is hope for the best for for him in terms of his health
3: All right, Daniel. Always appreciate the time, my friend, and I look forward to chatting to you as soon. All right, thanks, Brendan. Thanks for having me on, Daniel Nugent Bowman from the Athletic. Uh, creeping up on a news break here. We'll quickly step aside, come back with a text message. Uh, this is Brendan Escott in for Reed Wilkins on Inside Sports. There we go. Now we're back on the air. <laughs> it is Brendan Escott in for Reed Wilkins here on Inside Sports. Quick text message. Excuse me to get to. Holland did very little with the Red Wings in the last 10 years. His day is over. Detroit realized that. How come the Oilers couldn't? He's better off with Gretzky. At least he is not a dinosaur. That's from Cannon Vermilion. Understand that you can only be so good for so long, and to stay that good, especially through the end of the careers of Lidstrom, Draper, Chelios, all those guys, Cronwell. got to make some trades to put the talent around him, and that results in not having A good drop drop, pick, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Again, it can't last forever. I'm excited to see what Holland does here in Edmonton. On the other side of this break, we go interactive on Inside Sports. Dial me up, 6.30, 6.30 is the text line, 780-496-0063 to call. We're off to a global news weather traffic update with Cassandra Jodhuan. 6.30,
2: Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.